let's uh, let's begin. Uh, let me pray for us, and I want to read uh, our passage this morning. We're in the narrative lectionary. We're chugging through Matthew, and uh, lucky for you guys, I got to preach this morning. So uh, let's pray. Lord God, thank you again for your word, uh, for the gift of life uh, that it brings us. Fill us with your spirit and your word this morning. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I like that one because it's like the devil's getting desperate. You know, it's like, it's like, really? Because yeah, you can do that? Um, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord God, the Lord your God, and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Verse 12, now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee and he left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that when uh, what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. So things are just fulfilling here. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So good. The word of the Lord. All right. Who here this morning is good with endings? Anybody just like got endings on lockdown? Like, you know, Josh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, like, it's done with that. Yeah, no. Uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky thing. Like, there's not, there's not many of us who would say we're great with things ending. Yeah, no. Uh, there's generally a, a lot that goes into something ending. Um, I remember when, actually, when I graduated from Rebecca, and I kind of like hung out. I think a couple days after Rebecca. I, the way I remember it, I was like the last person on campus. I swear, there was like no one there. And, and I was like the lame guy who didn't leave. And uh, I remember like finally, like I got the car packed and, and I like went for a stroll or something. And uh, anyway, and I knew I was getting ready to like leave for Germany. And I didn't know if I was ever coming back really. And, um, and I remember walking in Jernigan and there was not a soul in there. And I... I remember looking in the window of the, the calf, if you've been in there, and there was, it was just like dark in there, there was nobody in there, and you're just like, man, that's, 
good times in there, you know. And it's just like the place where you didn't really want to go every day, the calf, you know. You're like, I'm gonna miss miss that place and all that bad food, like this conversation, you know. And you're just like, dang, you know. Uh, sometimes endings can be hard, you know. Yeah, no matter what they are. I, I remember, uh, I, I have a vivid memory of uh, right after we got married, like literally, like we had just left our, the church and drove away, we're like in my Mustang and we're like out of here and, uh, and I had some, uh, some of my friends like unbeknownst to everyone else like light some big fireworks we had bought on discount like way out in the parking lot and so we're peeling away and it's like boom boom you know and we're like you know it was crazy and uh and then you're like well we did that you know and uh and i actually had to swing back by my parents house uh and like change cars and get some clothes and stuff and and i get there and of course no one's there everyone's still at the wedding like and uh anyway i had to run in the house and it's dark and there's no one in there and I'm like they're in my parents' house and it's like just kind of looking around for a second. You're like, wow, like I'm not gonna live here anymore. You know, it's like this is weird. You know, and you just sort of like leave. You know, and it's like it's like moments like that. You're like, man, this is hard, isn't it? Like leaving a season behind, like leaving this security and this thing that I'm familiar with, right? That 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 I've been here this long and now I've got to like not be here and now I've got to like leave it behind. Uh, you know, endings can be really hard because um, you're not just leaving a place, right? You're, you're leaving memories. You're leaving like feelings. You're like leaving parts of yourself, right? And, and even more than that, you, you leave uh, security behind. You, you can leave safety behind, you know? It's like here you knew, when you were here, you at least knew everything was going to be fine, right? Uh, but but whatever is happening next, well, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You, you don't know, right, uh, generally. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's difficult, you know. It's like, but, but things die, don't they, right? Like, leaves fall, things die. Um, and, and sometimes, even when something's dead, it can be hard to live with. You know, you ever met someone who's just like, carrying a dead thing with them like you like it's like you know they should have been gone like already it's like weekend at bernie's if you've ever seen that you know they show up and the guy's dead but they carry him with them for like the next couple days you know it's just man i'm so old no one it's a great movie okay they anyway look it up you know that it put put a body in a suitcase never mind anyway and it's like that you're carrying this body with you and you're like man it's over you know it's like just leave it. It's it's done. You know, seasons seasons ended. Right, uh, let's move on. You know, um, story. Um, bless her heart. She's so sweet, but she can't leave anything behind. You know, and it's like and toys are one thing. If you're like mentioning, you know, honey, I think we got we got to get rid of a toy or two here. You know, and she's like, no, my gosh. You know, I get that. It's a toy. You know, it's like attachment. But, like, it could be, like, the packaging from this, like, package, this box we got from Amazon, and we're, like, putting it at the recycling. She's like, no! Yeah, no, like, she can't get rid of anything, you know? It's like a, like a wrapper from something, and she's like, I was playing with that, you know? And if she colored on it, it's over, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, we're like, okay, we'll keep it, you know? And then, but she goes to bed, we're like, in the trash, you know? And, uh... <laughs> 
But the, the funny thing is, uh, right now we're actually trying to put our Christmas tree away, which is very difficult. You know, it's like she cannot handle that. You know, yeah, it's just like we gotta keep that. You know, and I'm like, well, some people do keep them up all year, but um, anyway, we're not those people. But um, so far we are. But uh, anyway, yeah. So it's funny though when whenever like kids do this and then like when they go to bed or whatever and you put something away and then you come out like the next morning they never ask about it like they never wonder where it's gone you know it's like out of sight it's out of mind like and we actually had this leftover from the birthday party like a huge cardboard Elsa like by our kitchen table for like weeks and uh, Emily like put it away in the middle of the night and I didn't even know about it and I came out and it was two days later I was like where the giant Elsa go? Like you know, but the kids never ask about it. You know, it's just it's over. It's it's gone. Um, in in the text, this is directly related to scripture. Um, in in the text, uh, you know, it, it's funny. It's like Jesus is thirty. Uh, you know, it's like God has been on Earth thirty years. Like, is anyone keeping a journal? Like, like no one's keeping. Like, we have no idea what's been going on basically for thirty years, right? In Jesus' life. Um, but whatever it was, this season is now coming to an end, and this new season for Christ is, is beginning. This new thing is, is starting here. And so he comes and he gets baptized by John. It's sort of marking the ending of this, this season, right? And now this new thing uh, is, is going to happen. But before the new thing happens, right, you get this sort of like thing in between, right? You get like the thing in between, the, the wilderness, uh, right? This period of, of marination, uh, right, uh, the wilderness comes and, and reminds us that there's a time that, that we leave old places and, and things behind. Um, it's sort of that in between, that liminal space, right? You might not know what's next, right? You might not know where it's going to go. You might not know how it's going to work out. Uh, but what you do know, which is interesting, it's like it's almost easier to pinpoint what the thing that way to put it it's like it's, it's almost easier to say you know what you're not about you know what I'm saying it's like uh, I've had lots of people in my life ask me like well, how did you know that you wanted to do what you do like preach or pastor or whatever ministry and it's like well the the easiest thing was I, I, I definitely knew I mean I didn't know that like and that developed but like I, I definitely knew what I didn't want to do you know what I'm saying it's like, it's something about it, it's almost easier to say like, well, I definitely, it definitely wasn't that. It's definitely not this, right? And, and sometimes it's, it's almost easier to find those uh, things that, that you know you're not called to do. That you know like this thing is really supposed to end. And I, and I think I could probably, if we sat down one-on-one, each and every one of us, and like really got down to the heart of some things going on in maybe your life, uh, you could probably tell me if we really thought and talked about it, you could probably tell me uh, of what the thing is that, that you really don't want to be doing, right? The thing you would really feel like you could leave behind. Uh, because often those are also the things that we're stuck to, right? Uh, because those are the things that maybe we feel are, are giving us some sort of security, right? Those are the things that are, are, are familiar. Those are the things that, that if we leave that, we don't know what's going to happen, Right? And, and so, uh, but, but yet at the same time, it's like, well, deep down maybe I, I know it's not that. Right? And so, uh, what does it mean that, that we get stuck in these, these places, right? 
Uh, you see, we're in some, some spots and, and we've got bread, right? And we've got that security that is our bread, right? And so here, uh, Jesus shows up in chapter 3. We talked about last week, and he's, he's 30 years old. We don't really know what was going on in his life, but he moves into this new thing, and he comes and he gets baptized by John, uh, right? And so remember, baptism is like this, this image of death, right? This, this uh, death to self, this, this marking of a new life, this new thing God is doing, this purification, this, this total devotion, right? And it's, it's about this old thing drowning in the water and, and confessing that God does something new to us in there, right? Uh, that something happens, right? And so Jesus shows up and he is ending this sort of old thing and, and about to begin something new, right? But I would even argue that Jesus didn't have it all planned out. He didn't, he didn't already have like the, the 12 in mind and he didn't, he wasn't already thinking like, you know, a couple years from now I'm going to ride in on the donkey in Jerusalem and there's going to be, you know, uh, I don't think maybe he had it all planned out like that, but, but what he did know is that it was, it was time, right? Because that's kind of that's kind of how it goes. Like it is time, right? If you're a big Rafiki fan, like you like, you know, connects to everything. Really. You know? Simba didn't know how he was gonna get back to Pride Rock, right? But he just knew it was time, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it is time. Okay, we're done. So here in uh, here in chapter four, right? Jesus is in transition, uh, but there's this pesky in between. Uh, space uh, in the text, right? Uh, a few things that you should be catching in the story, right, is that Jesus, uh, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days, right? The people of Israel go into the wilderness for 40 years, in four, right? Jesus, uh, there's this parallel that's happening. Jesus is reliving uh, the story of Israel. Uh, but even more than that, Jesus is fulfilling the story of Israel, the people of God, right? Jesus is fulfilling this story, and so there's this sort of outflow that is happening uh, that we should be kind of catching in this story. Uh, you, ever been, uh, you ever been led uh, out into the wilderness by the Spirit? <laughs> One of my favorite, favorite parts that you catch, it's like the very first verse, like Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, right? You ever, you ever been led into the wilderness by the spirit of all people, right? Has that ever happened? You guys seen the movie uh, Into the Wild? You guys remember that one? Man, that was crazy, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? True story. There's a book, right? Dude graduates, and he's like, I gotta get out of here. And he ends up, long story short, moving to Alaska and living in a bus off the land and well, dying, he does. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a really sad ending. But the, stop it, stop it. It's so yeah. Spoiler alert. If you didn't see it, too bad. It happened in like the '90s. Catch up. Uh, you know, I can't wait. Simba does go back to Pride Rock. Sorry guys, uh, can't help you guys. But uh, there's there's something in there. Sometimes, sometimes maybe even physically, right? Metaphysically, we're, we're called out into this this wilderness, this this season, right? Because it, it does happen, and and I can't help but wonder if this pericope in, in Matthew four is so crucial for us understanding our lives uh, and how our lives work and how our lives operate, right? And uh, you know that there's this time in in the desert, there's this time to go walk about, there's this time of suffering, of hunger, of of lostness, of that, that, that wilderness is a key part of our story, right? Wilderness is not just something that, that might happen to you one day, right? 
the wilderness is something that will uh, be part of your story. Like the, the wilderness will happen to you, right? Because it's an essential piece for moving forward, right? And I think we're all forward-moving people in here. You know, that, that this, this is something that you will encounter. Uh, it's not necessarily something that you can avoid. And so these wilderness times, when there's transition, when the, when the futures are, are fuzzy and there's this liminal space, a sense of uh, seeking direction, right? A sense of wandering in the desert, right? And there could be hunger and trials, um, but the, the tricky part is that, that we typically uh, we typically hate this stuff, right? I mean, no one's like typically loving this stuff. We typically hate this sort of like desert space, this this sort of like wandering in the wilderness, right? This thing in between. And so uh, a lot of times, uh, instead of allowing the Spirit to use this space to open ourselves up to the Spirit's vulnerable working in our lives, right? Uh, we tend to just get stuck there in, in this sort of like wilderness, wilderness of worry, right? We're just sort of like, we're just worrying, uh, right? We're worrying about food security and school and our relationships and, uh, you know, you name it, we're worrying about our, our jobs and vocations and the future of our children, right? And where they're going to go to school and, yeah, now what will we eat? How will we live? What will we wear? Right? It's no coincidence that, like, the very first thing in the gospel, Jesus uh, talks about this, right? Do not worry about your life, right? Uh, it's no coincidence. Uh, and so if we never let the Spirit do uh, wilderness work on us, right? If we never learn how to wilderness well, uh, right? If, uh, if we're always just uh, avoiding this space, right? Uh, you, you'll never be shaped by that which you avoid, right? Uh, it just won't happen. And so if you don't wilderness well, right, later in life, even the smallest moments of suffering and insecurity, right, will, will really shake you up, right? Um, I'd venture to, to say that uh, it was the 40 days in the wilderness that right, eventually took Christ to the cross, right? He was able to, to fulfill that. Um, and so, jump in the text. Long intro, sorry guys, preaching. Uh, so Jesus is in the wilderness of Judea, and the wilderness of Judea, like it is like it is like barren, right? Uh, it's rocky. It's like a desert, right? It's not somewhere you, where you want to like vacation, um, except people do vacation there, so it doesn't really work out. But it's not somewhere where you want to spend 40 days and 40 nights by yourself, okay? It's like people do crazy stuff, you know. Uh, I actually brought this rock back from the wilderness of Judea. uh, And um, I had to leave all my luggage there because it was so heavy. Uh, That's true. But uh, but I think there is a picture in your handout, maybe. There is. Of a little glimpse, because uh, it's probably exactly what you thought—the wilderness of Judea. Right? It's just, this is rocky place, right? Uh, and so here Jesus is, and he's been fasting all this time, and he's and he's hungry, uh, right? And he's sort of at his end, uh, right? You would think, and he's he's tempted by uh, Diablo, right? Uh, the devil. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know why you guys are laughing. That's literally the Greek. Uh, is, uh, but uh, probably not said in a Hispanic accent. But 
he comes in as Diablo, and uh, the devil comes. It literally means the accuser, uh, right? He comes to accuse. He comes to tempt, uh, right? And so uh, here the accuser comes to tempt Jesus, and, and Jesus is hungry, okay? It's probably an understatement. If, he, if Christ, if I have anything in common with Jesus, you know, it's probably that he might have been hangry as well, you know, but, uh, you know, Satan could have, like, put a Snickers bar within 100 yards of me, I'm like, done, I'll worship you, you know, but Jesus is like, no, uh, hopefully I would hold in a little bit more, but, um, so, so, here we are in the text, and this happens, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, the accuser, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Right? I don't know that to put this down. This is super heavy. I'm just maybe I'll just pass on. It's crazy, isn't it? Rocks are nuts, by the way. Like, I was just, I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. You guys can... You guys can tweet that for me later. But uh, they're just so dense. It's like the whole earth is made of these things. It's crazy. So, um, so he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Uh, now, remember just a chapter ago, right? Just a chapter ago, Jesus was baptized and a voice came down from heaven. It said, this is my son, my beloved, right? Whom I am well pleased. Um, and also real quick, just to, to connect some things for you guys, this this sort of term, this, this beloved son, uh, is like a throwback to Israel, the people of God meeting Israel at, at Sinai, right? And in Exodus 19, he's like, this is my beloved portion, this is my inheritance, you are my chosen people, right? So again, we're sort of drawing connections, right? Uh, the people of Israel go through the, the baptismal waters of the Red Sea, right? And then they meet God at Sinai, right? You are my chosen people. And then they go out into the wilderness, Right? Are we seeing any parallels? Right? And so this is continuing to, to happen in the story. Christ is fulfilling the story. And so he literally in the text says, the uh, Diablo, he says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, just a couple verses ago, uh, this voice, God has just affirmed the identity, right, of Jesus. Right? You are my beloved son, right, who I'm well pleased. And now the tempter comes, the accuser, and he says, if you are the son of God, right? Diablo trick number one, right? Make you question your identity, right? Trick number one, make you question your identity in God. If you are a beloved child of God, if you are the son of God, right? And what's interesting is the devil doesn't have any groceries with him. You know, like he's not bringing food, right? He's not like, I got something here. You know, he's got nothing. Uh, what he says is, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread, right? Uh, the temptation is, Jesus, exert power over this object and make bread because you can do that because uh, because you're god right um 
it does make you question, right? If you were God here, hypothetically, right? Let me throw an impossible question out. Uh, that's where all good, all good things start. If you were God here in this scenario, I mean, what, what would you do? I mean, how, how would you respond, right? You're, you're, you've been in the wilderness, you know, just imagine in your life. You're in the desert. How, how long are you going to be here? I don't know. Don't have anything to eat. I've got these rocks, you know. Not much nutrition here. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty thirsty. I'm, I'm famished. I'm sort of at the end, right? Sometimes in life it's like that, isn't it? It's like you're just in like a desert full of stones, right? There's, there's, there's no security. There's no bread to eat. There's, you got, it's like you got nothing, right? Uh, but what if you could? What if you could turn this into something? What if, what if you could, what if you could make this work for you? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you've been there, you're like, you're like, man, I'm really tempted just to like, you know, the universe is kind of making me feel like this is not the path right now, but, but I think, you know, I'm just going to make this thing work for me, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to, I'm going to exert power over this thing and I'm going to take it and we're just going to do this thing. I'm just going to control this situation. Yeah. Fear, worry, right? Thank you for smelling the rock, by the way. That's, I, I really appreciate it, this, this, the smell test, uh, right? I'm going I'm to make this thing work for me. I'm going to exert, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make life work. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, ever tempted, ever tempted to just try to, to, to force it to all work out? You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to make this work, right? You know what these are this morning? These are, these are scarcity stones. They're the stones of scarcity, right? Look at someone this morning and say, you got scarcity stones? Not, not to be confused with kidney stones, okay? Totally different. All right, so, yeah. So sometimes it, it feels like your only option, sometimes it feels like your only option is just to power through, right? To just, to just make it work, right? The, the stones of scarcity and the bread of security. And so, uh, actually, it gets a little interesting if you look a little into the text. So this Greek word for rock or stone is like lithos, I think. And uh, it appears several times, right, in Scripture, and uh, obviously. And God's got a couple cool party tricks with rocks and stones. And if you remember uh, when the people of God were in the desert uh, in Exodus 17, and he, uh, they're all thirsty, and God's like tells Moses, and he says, well, okay, take your staff, hit this rock, They'll, some water will come out and you guys will be good. And so he does that and it happens and the people drink, right? And you're like, you can get water from rocks? You know, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, actually, later in the gospel, when Jesus uh, rides in on Palm Sunday and the Pharisees are rebuking Jesus' disciples for praising Jesus on Palm Sunday. And Jesus says, Here's the deal. If they don't praise me, even the rocks will cry out. And you're like, rocks can cry? 
It's pretty interesting stuff. Actually, just a chapter ago, just last week, uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees, And do not think you can say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And you're like, Rocks can have children? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the plot really thickens. Uh, actually, one of my one of my favorite God party tricks with a stone is like at the end of the gospel, and there's this really huge stone, and these angels roll it away, and then, uh, well, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about that in a couple months, so we'll just say cliffhanger there, okay? God does some really cool stuff. So the devil knows, right? The accuser, thank you. The accuser knows, uh, this is funny. So, like, I pass things around the room often, but they never come back. You guys are like, the stone made it the whole way. Uh, so the devil knows, right? God can do stuff, cool stuff with rocks. And so, uh, so the devil comes to Jesus in Matthew 4. It's like, this is not out of, this is within the repertoire. And he comes and, it, and he tempts him to exert, his, to, to show his power over this creation, right? To, if you're hungry, just make it into bread, right? We can do that, right? Just take control over this thing, right? This is like the original temptation, isn't it? To, to take control of something uh, for ourselves, right? To make, this, to make this into an object in which I can consume, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna control this thing, right? And it's gonna, it's gonna nurture me, right? I'm gonna do this, right? And so to turn these stones into bread. Do you know what Jesus does every time he's tempted here? Uh, he actually recites scripture, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, and not just any scripture. He actually just quotes from Deuteronomy all three times. And, uh, and two of the times is from like the same chapter. And it's like Moses' farewell letter to the people of Israel. And uh, when he's like, I'm going to die soon, probably on this hill. And, uh, and so it's interesting. So Jesus quotes scripture every single time, right? Uh, when you're in the wilderness, um, what do you cling to, right? What are, you, what are you clinging to when you're there? When you're tempted, when you're accused, when your identity is threatened, right? Like, how do you get through that, right? Um, what does it mean that we turn to our sacred text in these moments? That we let our scripture inform us, right? Side note, by the way, uh, and you may have already caught this, in the second temptation uh the devil actually quotes scripture too right ah he is so diablo trick number two right like you know he quotes scripture too it's it's interesting i've known a few scripture quoting devils in my day and uh they're out there uh, i'm just kidding snap 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 right and of course and of course right he's like he's like Misusing a psalm uh, because that's that's how you do it. So anyway, uh, so totally side note. All right. Um, so everything Jesus quotes is from Deuteronomy, and uh, Caleb read this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to read a couple verses in chapter eight. He says, uh, "This is in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse one. He says, the entire commandment that I command you today must be diligently, you must diligently observe, so that I may, uh, so that you may live and increase." And go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. 
in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is key this morning. We're getting somewhere. This is this is key, right, for us to understand everything. Uh, because uh, this whole time we've been running under the assumption as mortals that we survive with bread, right? Uh, you know, we we knew we had a, we had a hunch that man does not live by stone alone, right? Uh, you know, doesn't really work out. Uh, no nutrition there. But we thought that we survived at least by bread alone. But according to this whole trajectory, man has never lived by bread alone, right? That we've always needed something more, right? And so we thought that our, that our life itself revolves and survives and, and thrives and moves forward by possessing this, this bread, this, this security, this familiarity, right? This safety. And so what happens if we believe that and, and we just have stones, right? I mean, what do we do with that? Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus refused, as God always does, to exert his power over creation that way. Are you with me? This is sort of key. God refuses to, to do that, to, to, to take that stone and make it bread, right? Because God has always refused to take stones and make them bread. God has always refused to, to manipulate, right, to command, right? Because that's not how the relationship works, right? That's not how it all seems to unfold, right? It's never been that trajectory, right? Instead, love beckons vulnerability, right? Love beckons free will. Jesus' power is unleashed in relationship with all creation, right? Uh, theologian Thomas Ord actually just published a book called God Can't. I'm not going to unpack all that. I haven't read it, but definitely something to think about. That's interesting, right? But what's interesting is that Jesus is tempted to turn these stones into bread. Uh, and so in, in chapter 4, so the, the word for bread is like artos, and it shows up here in the gospel in chapter 4. Jesus refuses to turn stones into bread. We see the word again uh, two chapters later when he teaches us how to pray, and he says, give us this day our daily bread, uh, right? Then we see it again the next chapter, and he says, uh, Jesus says, is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone. Isn't that interesting? He says, or if the child asks for a fish, we'll give a snake. Some evil parents. If you then, who are evil, hold on that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? In other words, our God is a loving parent who feeds his children. 
Uh, and then, so a few more chapters go by. You see the word again in like uh, maybe chapter 15 when he takes a few of these artosis, these breads, and he feeds like thousands of people, right? And then one more time, you'll see this word in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 26. And he says... This is my body. Take and eat. Isn't that really kind of crazy? It's like somewhere mysteriously through the trajectory of the gospel, Jesus has, by the end of it, become the bread. Right? Now he is the bread. Now he is saying, this is my body. Take and eat it. Have life. Receive it, right? This is not something that can be commanded, but only something that can be received, right? Not, not taken, but, but a gift, right? That's why when we come to, come to take communion, right, or Eucharist, you know, sometimes, sometimes the temptation is you want to you wanna be like this, like, Give me some. You know what I'm saying? You know who you are. <laughs> I've done it. You know, you're like, I'm hungry. That's how all the kids come. You know, that's what we train them. You know, because when you come, what does it mean that you come like this? You don't take it. You receive it. Right? It's never been something you take. It's the thing about a gift. You can't take a gift. It's impossible. Because it's a gift. It's already been given. You just got to receive it. Right? And so what does it mean this morning that Jesus becomes the bread? He says, I'm the bread. You want, you want safety? You want security? All right, all right. Just know. I'm the bread. Maybe today the temptation for you closing this morning is wherever you're at whatever wilderness you're in to, to try and make it work try to turn stones into bread right to take control back of your life but it's never been the way forward though has it um, it it's never been blessed are those who are strong right it's never been blessed are those who can feed themselves right I, I love the Beatitudes God. I could preach on that every week it's so good Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty, for they will be fed. Right? It's like it's like the very next chapter. It's like the devil's down for the count, and Jesus is like, you know, he's kicking him, you know, away from me. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty, for they will be fed. God will not give you a stone today. God will not leave you in the rocky wilderness. But God will give you the bread. And all you have to do is receive it. You may not know how everything's going to roll. You may not know how it's going to work out. But you know what you do have? You've got the bread. Right? You've got the body. You've got the community. Right? 
And so Jesus fulfills this story. He is the eternal manna. He is the bread that sustains us, right? Whatever tomorrow brings. And so this morning, may you have the courage to let some seasons in. May you have the courage to let some seasons end. May you find yourself uh, secure in your identity as a child of God. May you open your hands this morning. and May you come and receive your daily bread. Because that's what we got it for today. Right? Our daily bread. Um, this morning, I want to close with a prayer. And I've, I've put it in your handout. And maybe you've seen it before, maybe not. But I would encourage you to uh, keep it if you want. Um, but it's from the late, great monastic Thomas Merton. And uh, it's kind of become a little well-known. I want to pray this, and so you're welcome to follow along or just close your eyes and receive it. So, My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.